Welcome back to Season 1 of Story Sonic, the universe of infinite possibility. In the universe of infinite possibility, anything can and will happen. These stories tell the tales of the worlds in this universe. Now join me in this week's story, Life After Life. I had a name. It was known by few, but loved by those who would speak it. I lived a life that was fulfilling by all stretches of the word. I had little, but made the best of what I could and spread love and kindness to all that I met. I didn't start out like this, of course, but over the course of my life, I learned to accept myself and those around me as who they were. I was at peace with myself and the universe, and I died in the loving embrace of the family that I had come to cherish. And then I woke up. I found myself in my world once again, but without the memories I had just made. Over the course of the many cycles, the memories came to me as ghosts. They told me the stories of the lives I touched, the people I encouraged, and the change I made in the world around me. They told me how much they loved me, and how much they missed me. As I regained my memories, the emotions I felt at those times came rushing back to me. Love and satisfaction flooded in my mind, and I was truly happy. This life was to be called J-34. The full scope of life J-34 would only come to me after my next one, J-35, had ended. It was then that I would remember every moment that I experienced. But J-35 will remain a mystery until the ghosts come to tell me what happened. They bring with them the feelings and emotions of my most important memories, and without them, I would be forced to sift through my mind to make sense of it all. There are few times in my existence when the ghosts of the life I lived come back to me with only good news to share. There is usually at least one or two that tell me a story that leaves me sad, or with a bad taste in my mouth over the things I had done. Occasionally they hurt me, but who could blame them when I hurt them first? When I awoke from my most recent life, I remembered everything that my new favorite life had lived and I was overjoyed. J-34 was another life that would go on the shelf with the best of them. Despite my joy, though, I had an aching feeling that J-35 was not as pleasant. I suppose after an amazing life, it is only natural to feel less fulfilled by the next few. I couldn't worry about that, because after I wake up, I have work to do. I must write down every detail of the life I can now recall with perfect accuracy before it begins to fade. J-34 will always be a good read, and I want to get it just right. The world I live in isn't much of a world. It is incredibly small compared to the vastness of the world I go to when I sleep, but it is mine. I am the only one that lives here. I usually see no purpose in leaving my bedroom and venturing to the spiraling hallways outside of it, because everything I need is here. I don't need to eat, and even breathing is something I merely picked up from living so many other lives. Sleep is also something that I do not need. I only do it because that is when I live my lives. In the time between my lives, all I have to do is write. It is good that it usually takes a few cycles for the ghost to show up, because upon waking, I am always desperate to write. I don't quite know why, because it takes a few hundred cycles for the memories to start to become less vivid, but it is nice to have inspiration for what I do. It didn't take long for the first ghost to show up, and when it did I was deep into my work, but this was another of my duties that could not be ignored. 
the radar next to my bed had gone off while I was writing, which is the first sign of a ghost arriving. But when I looked at where they were, I was shocked. I had been warned of the ghost arriving almost a cycle before it got here, and for good reason. It was landing an incredible distance from me. Under normal circumstances, the ghosts would land directly in my room, or maybe a short walk away. For a ghost to be this far off, it likely means that whoever it is that is visiting me wasn't very friendly, or I wasn't very friendly to them. A childhood bully, maybe? Or maybe I was the bully. I have been through both many times, and they are always just as sad. But I generally grow from these things. It is very rare that they stagnate my life, but there is always the chance. This doesn't really matter, though, because I have to go see them. They won't leave until I deal with them and relive the moments they have to show me. The slow beeping of my radar reminds me of where I have to go. I pick it up and leave my room. Right outside my door begins the long expanse of corridors that make up the vast majority of my world. I don't venture out here very much because I have no use for it other than seeing ghosts who choose not to come near my room. I am the only one here. I want for nothing outside of my living space and everything in the corridors is the same. Just long, empty hallways. The bare metal walls have nothing interesting on them to break up the monotony, and the hard, cold floor is not the most pleasant feeling on my feet. As I walk through the seemingly endless passageways, invisible light sources illuminate only what is just in front of me, the rest staying in murky darkness. If I encountered a place like this in one of my many lives, I would be terrified. But there is nothing to be afraid of here. I have lived far too long and know far too well just how alone I am in this world. There is truly nothing to be afraid of here. The walk was long, but nothing I couldn't manage. The important thing is that I had arrived, or I thought I had. There was no one to meet me. There is no way I could have been early because the radar indicated that they were here already. I looked around again just to be safe and still found no one. After a moment of confusion, I had a very interesting thought. Look up. My eyes glazed over the tall walls and landed on something clinging to them, something I had never seen in my world before. I was staring at a squirrel. This was not like the squirrels I had seen in my many lives, though. This one was a ghost. My first important memory from the life I had just woken from was shared with a squirrel. It didn't take long for it to climb down and crawl over to me. I leaned over to it, wondering if I should lift it, but my outstretched hand was only met with a violent bite. There would be no lasting damage, of course, but for a few moments it hurt quite badly. I winced in pain and reeled back, only to have the squirrel lunge at me again, this time biting at my neck. My hands went up, attempting to block it, but the sad truth is that I am unable to physically touch the ghosts. This was something I had not yet experienced. I was sitting there on the floor while a squirrel expressed its hatred of me. But it didn't take long for me to realize why it felt such animosity for me. The squirrel jumped back, then, right in front of me, an invisible force cut the skin off the squirrel as it writhed in pain at my feet. I stood up and watched in horror as this squirrel was being tortured. Then the memories came back, the memories of the first time I was able to catch a wild animal, and what I did to it. I was sitting in the middle of a small forest outside my parents' house. I had a very scared-looking squirrel in one hand, and my father's favorite knife in the other. I was six years old, and I had never felt such a guilty feeling of satisfaction. I shook myself of the memory, only to find the squirrel immobile on the ground. Its blood and fur that was now in patches on the ground were quickly fading from existence, as was its lifeless, mutilated body. The feeling I had in the memory faded fast, and was replaced with shock and disgust. I walked back to my room very slowly that cycle. My only hope was that these were the acts of a child who had no idea the true beauty of life just yet, 
and whose moral compass was not yet fully developed. I would give anything to not have to live through that again. After the first ghost comes to me, the others usually arrive fairly regularly. Every two or three cycles is pretty normal until they begin to die down. The last ghost to come to me is generally the ghost that describes my death, which is often the most important one, and they might not come until ten cycles after the one before. Lives begin to wear down, and get into a rhythm after a while. To my chagrin, the next ghost took a while to arrive. I began to get anxious over what might be to come. The possibilities after that first ghost ran through my mind, often while I tried to write. I was a little startled when, after a shocking thirteen cycles of waiting, my radar began to beep. I looked up from my writing, and walked over to see if I would have to make another long walk to find this one, but I was glad to see that I would not be doing that this time. The ghost was a rather short walk away. This was much more in the realm of what I have grown accustomed to, so I hastily collected the radar and walked out my door. After the turn of a few corners, I could see them. They were facing away from me, but as I approached they turned around. We stared at each other for a moment. They looked as though they had only recently reached adulthood when this memory took place, and judging from how long I waited for this ghost, I would guess that we were about the same age. A close friend, maybe? Before I could think too much about it, their demeanor changed. They gave me a sad smile, characteristic of those I loved deeply, but that our time was cut short by the raging emotions of youth. A first love was my guess, and that was confirmed when they walked over and planted a kiss on me. I was immensely relieved, to say the least. This life must not have been so bad. After the kiss, they took a couple steps back and began to speak. I loved you more than anything I loved before. You somehow always knew what to say and do for me, and you seemed to know me more than I knew myself. When I was with you, it was like nothing else mattered. You showered me with praise and affection until I became dependent on you. I needed you and wanted nothing more than for you to love me as much as I loved you. You used to tell me that I was incredibly important to you, and that I was your number one. I always loved it when you said that. I was number one in your life, and no matter what anyone said or did, I would always have that. After a while, my insecurities got the best of me. I began to project my fears of losing you. You still told me that I was your number one, but I started taking it differently. I saw it not as you telling me that I was the most important person in your life, but that I was your first of many loves you planned to have. I felt like my heart was breaking every time you talked to me. No one had any idea how much I needed you. All I wanted to do was make you love me as much as I loved you. I found myself crying right in front of you when I thought about this for too long, but you would always find a way to calm me down and remind me of how important I was to you. You would then reiterate to me that I was your number one over and over again. I wish with all my heart that I knew what you really meant. I think I could have really helped you. They stopped talking and began to walk towards me. Tears filled their eyes. Then they bent over and sat down in an invisible seat, and then I saw something that horrified me. Handprints on their neck. Invisible hands had wrapped themselves around their throat and were squeezing the life out of the person in front of me. For a moment they struggled, but then they just looked at me, confused and scared. The hands grew tighter and the one who claimed to love me stopped breathing. Then the memory came to me. I was in an abandoned construction yard, far from any kind of civilization. I was nineteen, and I had never felt so powerful and in control of the world around me. I felt nothing for the person sitting in the chair in front of me. I hardly even looked at them after I committed the deed. I only stared at my hands in awe, and then I looked to the bag I had on the ground fairly close to the scene. I walked over, opened it, and looked in to find several large knives. I shook myself from the memory as fast as I could, and I fell on the floor, tears streaming from my face. 
I curled myself into a ball and covered my face with my hands and tried not to listen as the other person on the floor repeated, I only wanted you to love me, in a stifled, dying voice until they disappeared and I was again left alone. It took me a long time to decide to make my way back to my room, but when I did, I did so quickly. When I got back, I got in my bed and cried harder than I had cried in a long time. It was at times like this that I wish I needed sleep. To be able to wake up without missing much time and feel refreshed would be a blessing. But that is not the way it works for me. When I sleep and live one of my many lives, I usually miss around 60 to 80 cycles. If I were to sleep now, I would get backed up on my writing. Not only would I still have J34 to finish, but I would have to write J35 in just as much detail. There was nothing I wanted to do less than remember all of J35 at once. After seeing the first two ghosts, I knew for a fact that it would crush me. It is important to do things the right way, and I know this, but that doesn't stop me from wishing things were different. It took me a whole cycle to gather enough composure to be able to write again. I hoped with all my heart that it would take another 13 cycles for the next ghost to come to me, and that I would be able to lose myself once again in the wonderful life of J34. But, truly, all my wishes were for naught. It didn't even take another two cycles after I started writing again for the third ghost to come to me. The slow beeping of the radar shook my nerves. I didn't even get up to look and see where the ghost was. I just kept writing. The beeping kept going like this for a while before I finally decided to mute it. This is a function that I rarely use because it is always best to deal with things as they come up, especially the ghosts, because if left alone for too long, they have the tendency to pile up. My desire to have a moment's reprieve was stronger than my desire to not deal with more than one ghost in the future, though. I think I can give myself one cycle. After all, what are the chances another ghost would come in just one cycle? The effects of that last ghost must have affected me in a way that I had not been affected in a long time because soon waiting only one cycle turned into waiting two, and one ghost turned into seven. Each time my radar would go off, my desire to ignore the ghosts grew, but deep down I knew I had to deal with them eventually. I told myself that I would do it soon, but I couldn't get up and move. I was terrified of what I would see. Soon ended up being earlier than I thought it would, and completely against my will, because soon all the ghosts were at my door, and they were not happy with me. They began to knock incessantly. I covered my ears and wished they would go away, but I knew they wouldn't. I knew the only thing to be done was to open the door and accept what they had to show me, but I was frozen. I held my knees close to my chest and wept on the floor until I couldn't bear it anymore. Then I stood up, walked to the door, and opened it. And then I saw them. Seven ghosts, glowering at me. They rushed into my room and all began talking to me at once. I couldn't tell which voice was coming from which ghost, and I couldn't make out all of what any of them were saying. I could only hear bits of each one. You told me I was special. You said you wanted to be friends. I trusted you. I wanted to help I you. I confided you in you. You betrayed me. You hurt I had me. so much ahead of me. I was me. so young. I had people who needed me. You took me. me away from my family. You took me away from my child. What my parents do now? How can you live with yourself? Do you even care? And I did care. I cared about all of them, but it was too late. I had done what I did, and there was nothing I could do to change that. All I could do now was lay on the floor, hear what they had to tell me, and give myself over to them. They all began to kick me and yell expletives at me. They called me a monster and told me that they hoped I died a painful death and burned for what I did to them. Some of them bent down and took punches at me, and others spat on me. Then, right when they were almost ready to stop, the memories came to me all at once. All I saw were flashes of people screaming and crying. Some of them were tied up. Others had no idea what was even happening. But they all looked at me with terror, hatred, and disgust. I saw blood everywhere. 
when the memories ended, all seven ghosts were on the ground, fading from existence. The floor was covered in a pool of blood, but it too was disappearing. All that was left was me, in my room, alone once more, but not for long. Soon the radar in my room began to go off again. At once I stood up and looked at it to see where the ghost was, but I didn't need to look at the radar to know. As soon as I turned around I saw them standing in my room, and they spoke. You murdered both of my children. One loved you, and one sought consolation over their death. You took everything away from me, so I will take everything away from you. It was then that I realized they were holding something in their right hand at their side. They pointed it at me. I heard a loud bang, and then a sharp pain shot into my head. It didn't last long, but it was one of the worst physical pains I have ever experienced, and it caused me to fall on the floor again. I laid there as the ghost faded away. As they left, they muttered through their sobs. I always knew something was wrong with you. I stayed there for the next few cycles, just thinking and processing. It was over. J-35 was very short-lived, but I will not soon forget it. Eventually, I was able to get up and get back to writing, but it took me at least 20 cycles to get back into my usual rhythm. My life was far from over, and I still had a job to do. After I finished writing J-34, I read it again and again. There are few times when I realize just how alone I am in this world. There really is no one around me. There are no windows that might show me what lies outside, and no proof that this isn't all there is. I might just be a small part of something much bigger, and maybe if I ventured past the seemingly endless hallways outside my room, I would find another room with someone else who is just as dedicated to their work. Or maybe I would find nothing, and the question of whether or not I could ever have a friend would be answered with resounding silence. I occasionally think back to when I first arrived here, and read the first few of my lives to see if I could find any clues, but there's nothing. No secrets I have yet to unravel, or answers to my many questions. Maybe I don't even want to know the answer, because I fear the possibilities. Maybe no one will ever read about my lives, and all this is for nothing. Maybe these lives don't even exist, and the choices I make don't even matter. Maybe the ghosts come to me purely as entertainment, not meant to be taken seriously. When I begin to think these thoughts again, I know it is time for me to sleep, and feel what it is like to be surrounded by people. But this time... I wasn't sure if I wanted to continue my work. How could I want to wake up and remember all of J-35 and have to write out everything about it? How could I want to even have the chance of living through something like that again? If I really am alone, then who would stop me if I just didn't do anything? When that thought crossed my mind, I walked over to where I kept my radar and threw it against the wall as hard as I could. It clattered against the wall and on the floor, then skittered back in front of my feet, unbroken. Another reminder that my job was not done, and it likely never would be. Thank you for listening to Story Sonic, an episodic storytelling podcast focused on exploratory world building through character growth. This story was written by Timothy Violovis and narrated by me. Max Nolan Young. Special thanks to Angelwing at Excel Music Publishing for the use of our theme song, The Nymphaeum Part 5. You can find new episodes of Story Sonic every other Thursday on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. We don't pay for any advertising, and word of mouth is the best way for our stories to reach new ears. 
If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter at StorySonic. That's Story, S-O-D-I-C. Thanks for exploring with us, and be safe out there. Brought to you by Dryer Sock Productions. Pop that pizza pie in the oven, baby. We're about to start a podcast.